Thanks for listening to the Voice Church Podcast. We are a new life-giving multi-ethnic church located in Orange County, California. We meet every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Tustin. For more information, check out our social media or our website at www.voice.church. And now, let's tune in to this week's message. All right, Voice. Thank you for responding. It's cool to see the jar filling up. If at any time you remember something, write it down. We'll have a chance for you to put that in there a little bit later. But it's good. It's good to see these visible responses. If you didn't have a chance to talk to your neighbor about it yet, we can do that a little bit later. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors and uh, elders here and part of the teaching team. And I am just so excited. What I love about our church and our uh, not just that we have a teaching team, is that our approach to messages on Sunday is not just to tickle the ears of, you know, say the things that people want to hear, but we really want to hear from God and and craft messages that stays true to leading in the Spirit. And we're not afraid to say the things that God puts on our hearts and minds. And you guys are awesome church. You receive these messages, even if they're tough or challenging, you receive them with grace. And so I just thank you for that. Today, we're going to do our second week in the series called I Have Spoken. If you've seen The Mandalorian, you know a little bit about what we're talking about. Uh, But it's way more than just being a church that preaches on Star Wars uh, quotes. We want to depict what Jesus has said. We want you guys to know um, that Jesus, when he says things, he says them with authority. Amen? Amen. And so it's important for us to take Jesus at his word. And so we're going to do several weeks on this series uh, titled, I Have Spoken. And so Jesus, like I said, is depicted. He's, he's in the Gospels. It's laid out that when he speaks, he has authority. Now, this week, uh, this past week, I interacted with authority in a new way for me. I was called uh, and I was chosen to be a juror for jury duty. And I, I, you know, I've, I've been called. Has anybody done that recently? Gotten the letter of, of, of doom in your mailbox? Yeah, I got that. And uh, man, I've received several of those over my life, but I've never even had to go into the courtroom, just called and been dismissed. But this time they really wanted me to be a part of this jury for whatever reason. And I remember sitting in kind of the, uh, the room of several hundred, just, man, you don't pray like you pray when you're waiting for your name to get called in jury duty, amen, right? And so we're, we're going and they like dismiss, uh, there was a friend from work there too, and we were hanging out, they dismiss his group, I'm like, oh. And then they call my name, I, I hear my name over the loudspeaker, I'm like, no. And I get back into the courtroom, all the phones go off, and I had to interact with this uh, panel of um, prosecutors and, you know, uh, lawyers and the judge. And I remember thinking, this judge has the authority to tell me to stay or to dismiss me, right? It's been a long time since I've had somebody, I'm a teacher, since I've been the one in the seats where someone's like, no, you're going to stay for a while. And so I was chosen and thank God only lasted the five or six days, but man, authority, right? Authority, That judge had the authority to dismiss me or keep me, or if I ditched out, there would have been consequences, right? Jesus has authority, right? He has authority, and he gets to have this authority because he loves us, and he died for us. He gets to have this authority. And if anybody calls uh, yourself a Christian today, 
you recognize that Jesus is Lord of your life. And when somebody says they're Lord, they're in charge. When he commands something, Voice Church, it's not optional. Amen? And so when he speaks on issues, his voice and his opinion gets to come first above what we see on TV or social media or even what we believe. And so there are gonna be times when uh, he says things that we don't understand fully that maybe we don't even straight up agree with. And even if you don't agree or understand, we're called to obey because I have spoken, he says, right? He has spoken. I'm sure you've had that uh, spot in your life where you talk to a parent and you know you have this situation where you're asking to do the thing or you don't wanna do that or whatever and you get to the conversation, end of the conversation, the parent says, listen, end of conversation, I have spoken. And I think that's the tone that we need to take some of this stuff today. Now, see, this is why I think faith is so important. It's not for when the times are easy and when the message is clear. It's for when the message difficult is difficult and we don't really understand why Jesus says what he says. And we need faith. We need to trust, even when we don't understand. Now, Matthew 6, I'm gonna have us read out loud. Um, you guys walked up here, you wrote something down, lots of ways to respond today. But in Matthew 6, Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. And we're not gonna go over all of this today, actually just a small piece of it but I want us to read it in context. And actually, uh, if we could read it out loud so we can put it on the screen, I think it's good for the church to respond this way. I'm gonna put the mic down so we can all hear each other. Ready? One, two, three, let's read. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Amen. And that pretty much sums it up. Okay. And um, what we're going to focus on today is uh, this phrase, give us today the food that we need. Give us today our daily bread. And it sounds so simple and so subtle. And this message is, uh, was really placed on my heart to, for us to focus on today. But um, it comes with a huge backstory. And before we could even pray this prayer, now remember, Matthew's not writing uh, to people like us. He's writing to the Jewish community, and they would know that this phrase, daily bread, is connected to a story where God spoke clearly, where he shaped uh, his people. And I want to go back, all the way back, uh, to share a little bit of that, that backstory. It goes all the way back to Exodus 16. And today we're going to focus on this old story first, this first story of rescue in the Hebrew scriptures, this template for Christian salvation, this paradigm for what it means for God to save us. We know this story as the Exodus. If you're new to this story, I recommend going back and reading and watching videos and, and getting caught up on the story. It's so good and it's so meaningful, so applicable to our lives today, but uh, I'll catch you up a little bit. Israel goes from uh, a good situation to a bad situation. Israel, uh, this, this nation, finds itself in Egypt. And at first it was awesome. And they had this privileged position and it was obviously God's hand and God was directing steps. But then Exodus starts and it's just one or two verses, but you can tell real fast the story changes. And they find themselves going from this good situation to this scary new 
different one. Exodus 1.7 says this, But their descendants, meaning years and years, generations have passed. The Israelites had many children and and grandchildren, highlighting God had been faithful. In fact, they multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and filled the land. Verse 8, eventually a new king came to power in Egypt. And here's the phrase, who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. How Joseph had rescued uh, and really saved um, this, this land from uh, famine and all these ways that, that God uh, used him in powerful ways. But uh, what I want you guys to focus on today is that the situation changed. It went from something comfortable, something familiar, something good, something that you've been doing for years and years and years, and then all of a sudden you look around and you don't recognize, and you're left kind of wondering, how did it, how did it get this way? How did we get here? There's evidence that God has been faithful, but man, things have changed. Now, Israel is led by Moses at this point, and I love his story. He's perfectly placed to know how to navigate the house of Pharaoh, having been raised in that context, but also he spent years in the wilderness, and Israel's going to need somebody who knows both. I love that. Moses and Pharaoh has this, have this battle and this battle doesn't represent who can do the most magic tricks. It's the, this representation of who is God even in Egypt. Who is God? Who is the God of Israel? God brings the 10 plagues and they correlate specifically to Egyptian gods. And over and over and over, Yahweh is in control even in Egypt. Israel is let go from Pharaoh's control. And I think we know this part of the story at least. They walk through the Red Sea into the wilderness into the wilderness. Now, the word wilderness, uh, actually, uh, we're gonna play a video for you here. Uh, Hopefully it works out in the back. But I want you to understand that Israel is about to go from the land of Egypt. The Nile River floods on at the same time every year. They have built their entire civilization on this lush, fertile land. God walks them in this amazing story through the sea to this. And I can imagine being grateful that God rescued you from slavery, but you get to the point where the, the fun is worn off and the newness is worn off and the miracle, the feeling is worn off. And you look around, and you're like, where am I? Where am I? We'll come back to that in a second. Now, this word in Hebrew, uh, wilderness, which is really important for today, uh, is a word called midbar. Midbar just means wilderness. Now, uh, wilderness is literally, uh, literally a place devoid of human establishment or influence. Wilderness is literally a place devoid, absent of human establishment and influence. But it should not be seen as apart from God's presence. Now, what's so cool about Midbar, and they have a whole word for it in Hebrew, is only in Midbar can metabir happen. Now, metabir is this awesome word where it says, it kind of proves the point that God speaks, and more than that, he speaks specifically in the wilderness. It's a time set aside. Maybe you've been to a camp or a spiritual retreat where God speaks in a place that's just removed, where we're focused. Midbar is where metabir can happen. And if we can go back to that wilderness picture again, 
uh, that, that video, I want you to think about it in real terms. Imagine going from, yeah, it's slavery, but man, there's food and there's water. There's established like uh, homes and there's, there's, there's all this wonderful stuff going on around it. I know their situation has changed, but God brought them out of slavery. I don't know what they expected or what they thought, but now they're here. And I can imagine you looking around. If it's me, I'm like, well, where am I? Where are my kids gonna go to school? <laughs> like, what are we gonna eat tomorrow? I'm so grateful for what God has done and brought me here, but, but now what? And Voice Church, maybe you find yourself to be in a bit of wilderness today as we start holiday season. With Thanksgiving coming up, I know this isn't the traditional like gratitude message. See, but in the wilderness, there's a, there's a specific way that God speaks. See, because wilderness can be seen as like devoid of human establishment, like there's no future, there's no water, there's no food, like what are we gonna do? Or it could be seen as this perfect environment for God to reshape the identity of his people apart from human influence. See, wilderness, wilderness, I think, is a part of all of our story as God shapes us, okay? See, wilderness is an important part. If God wanted to take his people right from Red Sea to Promised Land, he would have. But wilderness is part of the journey. See, one way to think is like, oh, thanks, God. I've been stuck in jury duty, Thanks, God. Things were going great for a while. What am I doing here? There's nothing here. (laughs) What a waste of time. Or there's nothing here except you and me. No other influences. A place where I can concentrate and focus, where you can be the one that influences me more than anything else. This perfect context for God to reshape his people. Voice Church, where are you at today? It's on my heart and my mind that some of you, maybe all of us, are in some kind of wilderness setting today. My mom, uh, a long time ago now, 15 or plus years ago, uh, I was a youth pastor, and we always took our youth ministry to uh, Union Rescue Mission in downtown LA to serve. And we would stay the weekend, two nights. It was an amazing opportunity for kids to get outside of their context and serve, right? And we all know serving opportunities are amazing. And so we had like three or four vans full of kids and we would go down and my mom just happened to be one of the leaders on this trip. I don't know what she thought was gonna happen, but uh, you know, if you have 30 kids and you know, youth leaders, it's gonna be crazy, especially if you're like downtown LA serving and stuff. And so I remember that all the leaders, except for my mom, decided to go down early Union Rescue Mission has like five or six stories. And so we took the elevator down and we were kind of getting ready to make sure they were ready for us to serve breakfast or whatever it was. And so for some reason, all of the leaders (laughs) went down to prep. I think we were planning to come back up, but it was all the youth and my mom. And all she had to do was get them from the room into the elevator and we would be waiting. And so I remember uh, thinking, like looking at my watch, like, you know, time had passed. I'm like, what, where? Where are they? And what I didn't know at the time is my mom got everybody in the uh, elevator, which is awesome. This is not her fault. She just happened to be there. And one of the kids decided 
to jump. Anybody ever jumped in an elevator before? Don't do that. Don't do that. But one kid starts to jump, and then they feel it shake. And then what, else, what does other kids do? They're like, one, two, three, jump, right? And we actually, I actually hear them in the elevator counting. One, two, three, ah, jump. And they would jump, and they would jump. And I heard the elevator come to a screeching halt. <sighs> Stuck in between floors. And so I'm like, uh-oh. There's no uh, youth ministry manual that covers this. There's no chapter that I could have read to see this coming. And so now I have to like go up and you know how you can pull elevator, elevator doors apart a little? And I pulled it just enough to see and the, the elevator floor was kind of at eye level and my mom had sat down and she, she's like, oh, oh no, what, a, what? And for hours they waited in the elevator for the guy to go downstairs and eat his breakfast first to come up. And so what we did is we took a Bible and we shoved it in the door so they would have some free air, uh, some fresh air. And I can imagine being my mom. I wasn't in there, but I was there. I was watching her. But sometimes you find yourself somewhere and you just don't understand why, right? Jury duty, trapped in an elevator with 30 youth ministry kids. And you were trying to do a good thing right? Trying to do a good thing, and things just did not turn out the way that they thought. They didn't, you know, to all of my good intentions, it just didn't turn out. How would you describe yourself today? Are you in wilderness in some way, in some area of your life? Maybe you're in a tough spot. You haven't felt close to God in a while. Maybe family, things didn't turn out the way you'd hoped for. Maybe it's the flip side. You got everything that you wanted. The goal achieved. The thing was done. And now you're like, now what? I still feel empty. The thing that I had hoped for happened. And now what? And I think there's something that we can learn from this story in Exodus. We'll pick it up in Exodus 16. Uh, We'll start in verse 2. It says, There too, the whole community of Israel, out in the wilderness, like we saw on the screen, complained to Moses and Aaron. If only, listen to this, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now, I'm inserting like the whiny tone, but now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. Man, I sound like that sometimes when I don't understand what God's doing. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm gonna rain down food from heaven for for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. This is about trust. It's not about food. On the sixth day, they will gather food and when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as usual. And as Aaron spoke to the whole community of Israel, they looked out toward the wilderness And there they could see the awesome glory of the Lord in the cloud. Then the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the Israelites' complaints. Now tell them in the evening they will have meat in the morning and you will have all the bread you want. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. So in the morning, Israel went out to gather manna, this kind of bread, uh, honey, wafery uh, type substance, and then quail. um, And he instructs them, 
about daily bread, to only gather as much as they needed for the day. Why would God say, out of all the things that he could say, why would God institute daily bread here? Why? Why would it rot if they collected too much? Why does Jesus still teach us to pray for daily bread? Well, I think it's pretty simple that God believes that he is trustworthy today and tomorrow. He wants us to learn that we can depend on him every single day, that he promises to provide for us. He also wants to partner with us. There is action required. God provided manna from heaven, but Israel needed to go and gather it. If you're taking notes, uh, maybe you can think about it like this. I can, or I should, if I find myself in wilderness, that I can do my portion and I can trust God to do his. That there is stuff that God wants you to do. He wants you to do something about it, but it doesn't mean you are providing for yourself. You're partnering with him. So today I have to ask, are you doing your portion? Or are you sitting around whining about it? Right? Because this describes me. I don't know, I know it was written thousands of years ago to people who aren't alive anymore, but man, this is a little insight into my heart. See, God instructs Israel to go gather enough manna for each day. Everybody gets what they need. No one goes hungry, but no one gets a double portion. That's the way it used to work in Egypt. See, with one exception, and church, listen, listen to this. With one exception, Sabbath, which for them was Saturday. The day before Sabbath, they were to gather a double portion and it would last an extra day. Why? So that they could rest. See, for the first time in hundreds of years and for the first time ever, Sabbath was instituted for Israel. Think about that for a second. After 400 years of slavery, every day being the same, hard work, no future, no hope, God rescues you, he walks you through the water, and for the first time ever, you experience a day of rest. How amazing is that? First Sabbath ever was experienced in the wilderness. So good. See, Wilderness, whether we're experiencing it today or not, it's, it's coming. And I think one of the things we need to realize is that, that in wilderness, we're reminded, we could put this up on the screen, in wilderness that I can rest because God is with me. Voice, when's the last time you experienced rest, that you like instituted it, that you put it in your schedule, that you made it a point and, and disciplined yourself to do this? I love this verse, Exodus 16, 29 says, they must realize that the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. This is why he gives you a two-day supply on the sixth day so that there will be enough for, for two days. On the Sabbath day, you must each stay in your place. Do not go out to pick up food on the seventh day. If you find yourself in the wilderness today, you can trust that God is with you. You can trust that. And you can let your guard down. You're invited to make rest a part of your rhythm. Rest reorients our lives. This is the only thing, the only nation on the planet that took a day off at the time. This is what distinguished them from everybody else. 
Rest reorients our lives. It gives us a fresh perspective on who we are and who God is. Taking a day off proves that you trust God to provide for you. Taking a day off proves that you are obedient to him. Without that day of rest, you won't be who God wants you to be in the future. If you find yourself in wilderness today, voice, how are you, how are we prioritizing rest? Moses said in Exodus 16, 32, 33, he says, this is what the Lord has commanded. Fill a two-quart container with manna and preserve it for your descendants. Then later generations will be able to see the food I gave you in the wilderness when I set you free from Egypt. Moses said to Aaron, get a jar and fill it with two quarts of manna. Put it in a sacred place before the Lord to preserve it for all future generations. Israel, I love this, was instructed to preserve manna to act as a reminder of what God did, of the ways that he's trustworthy. Today, you did something similar. Thank you so much for responding. Now, I don't wanna go in and like dig through those and read them, but uh, maybe just a word or a phrase. How has God been dependable for you, voice? Like, what are some of the things you wrote down? Feel free just to speak it out. What did you put in the jar? Provision. Always there. What else? Perspective. How has God been dependable for you, voice? Faithful. What else? Purity. It's powerful when we get together and remember the ways that God has showed up. Would you agree? He's been asking people to preserve this for years. For years, we can rest because he has been dependable. He is faithful. And I love the idea of reminders, of things like this that help remind us, uh, because I, I forget stuff a lot. And I forget the lesson that God taught me last year, this year. For some reason, these things, I just have, they, they struggle. I struggle to stick in my mind. I'll put it up on the screen, but I think we all know this, that reminders when we set up reminders, when we make things visual, when we uh, put little um, notes in our way to catch our attention, reminders pretty quickly turn into habits. Man, I'm so grateful for the way God has done this. And then those habits turn into a lifestyle where we are continuously remembering how God has showed up. And then that lifestyle really quickly becomes uh, who we are. Our, our culture changes. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come back up as we close, uh, close today. This is the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And I know that this is not the traditional gratitude message. Um, I, I, I tried to write that message. <laughs> uh, God wasn't having it, so here we are. I think that there are people in this room or listening online that are experiencing wilderness uh, in uh, d- different ways, whether it's uh, with family or with finances or uh, just with a, a, it's been a while since they felt the presence of God or, you know, there's just been drift. Or maybe they've gotten everything they wanted and it wasn't enough and it's time to start asking different questions. I don't know what it is. But wilderness is a part of our journey. 
And I think the way that it connects with gratitude today, because gratitude is super important. But those of you, those of us who are experiencing wilderness, I want us to be reminded of something else that's in scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, and 18. It says, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Uh, one of our awesome uh, volunteers, Bree, she's in with the middle school. Um, she is teaching middle school today um, that the way the brain works is you can't actually be anxious about something and be grateful about something at the same time. Like those two things compete in the brain. And I love that the idea that God has given us the choice. It's just a simple choice. That gratitude reorients our attention. If you find yourself in wilderness, maybe it's time to intentionally remind yourself just how dependable God has always been. Maybe it's time to reorient your rhythms and include rest. It's been a while since you've kind of put that limit and that obedience into play. I, I love this. That First uh, Thessalonians says, be thankful in all circumstances. He doesn't say for everything that happens. It doesn't all feel good. But man, in every circumstance, whether you're in wilderness or not, man, there's a reason to be grateful, thankful. Gratitude helps us remember how dependable God has always been. And these are just a few reminders this morning. I'm gonna ask you, Voice, if you could uh, stand and we're gonna sing a song. And as the song, uh, as we sing, the children's ministry is gonna come and join us today. And I'll talk you through what we're gonna do next, but we thought it was an awesome day to be together and to remember what God has done. So let's sing and just be reminded, here come the kids. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's message at Voice Church. We hope it inspired you to live a life more faithfully for Jesus and to be a voice of hope for your community. We'd love for you to join us in person on a Sunday. And until then, we hope you have a beautiful week.